This is the EWN Podcast Network. You are listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. My guest today is Ariana Brackenberry. She is a powerful, heart-centered leader and transformational coach. She lives and breathes from the place of what if. Welcome, Ariana. I'm so glad that you're my guest today. Oh, Helen, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I don't even know where to start because, <laughs> wow, do you have a journey. So um, that, I'm going to let you start in kind of what led up to uh, where you were at, because as I understand it, at age 60, your world kind of just fell apart, didn't it? Yes, at, at 60, I was, uh, I found myself in a place of ground zero, I would call it, because I had gone through a series of things, not all instantly happening at the same time. Um, I had lost my husband, and then a few years later, I got involved with a business partnership, and a lot of my savings ended up disappearing when we went bankrupt. Or we went, we didn't actually go bankrupt. We actually got to the place of closing and paying off bills, but a lot of my savings disappeared at that point. And uh, so that moved forward to me actually having to face that I, I had this beautiful home. Uh, it was a you know, a quarter acre garden. It was something my husband and I had built together and I wasn't really wanting to let it go. I was attached. And so I hung on to it too way too long until the point where spirit says, okay, girl, <laughs> it's time for you to move your booty. And I had to make the decision to sell the house. So um, I ended up it was almost a year before that house sold. It was interesting how the money just came to, seemed to come through. Uh, but when I actually turned it over to the new people, I was exhausted and I had no plan. I had just the enough energy to get through um, that sale. And I ended up getting in my car thinking, God, I've got a dog and I have no home and I have no idea what to do next. Wow. And, and that's the hard thing when you have to leave your home. It's one thing to leave your home when you're prepared to leave your home, but it's quite another when uh, it's kind of out of your control, isn't it? You know, I think there's a certain amount of shock that comes in or you know what I mean? There's a piece where it's like, I can't actually um, look at what's after. Yeah. It, it's that uh, when you're in that grief moment in your life, um, you do, you go into a bit of a cocoon because you are in shock. That's absolutely right. And, uh, and it's really hard to look at what the reality of the situation is. Yes. And so fortunately I had a very good friend who, um, her daughter lent me a cottage for a couple of weeks for me to just take a breath. And then I, I ended up going to a Soyuz cause my stepson there had a vineyard and I started to work in the vineyard. So it was a healing point because there, first of all, I had no responsibilities. I had paid off all my debts. I had a small amount of money left and I was um, on my knees on the ground. And so the ground is tremendously healing. Then one day um, my daughter-in-law was in the vineyard with me and she said, why don't you just go have a grand adventure? And 
um, that logical left brain side of me um, was just saying, well, that's, that doesn't make any sense at all. So I, I kind of was sitting with it. I had already booked a trip to Ireland um, a year before that was paid for. So um, I was considering, you know, what do I want to do? Do I want to go further than Ireland? But I, I hadn't really made up my mind until I, um, I went for a physiotherapy because I'd also been in a car accident with all of that. So I went to a physiotherapy appointment. The therapist said, have you thought about walking the Camino de Santiago? And I'm, Helen, it was just like this huge wave of energy came through. And in that moment, it was just like, I'm going to go do that. I'll go to Ireland and I'll go train there. And then I'll go to Spain and walk. And then I'll go to Bali. And I decided to call it my drink, pray, love journey. I love it. And, and that is, you know, when someone uh, offers that, and especially, you know, as you get older, you're, you're, you're kind of set in your ways and it's like, it's so far out. I mean, we see kids now traveling all over the world is their, you know, gap year. And it's so cool. And I, I've said many times, if I could go back, I would have done that for sure. Uh, but when it's offered to you like that, and like you said, it was like, there was the answer given to you. So the minute you got off the plane, in Ireland, what did you have with you other than just the basic? I had a backpack, and I have to tell you, I had never backpacked before. <laughs> I had a backpack. I was overweight. I didn't speak French. Um, I didn't speak Spanish, which is what you what is the Camino de Santiago. That's it. I mean, I had what would fit in a little, you know, a, a about twelve. I think about twenty pounds total with water. That was it. So that was my my um, three months, which is similar to any of the young people that go out there. They have bigger backpacks, frankly. The reason it was small was because I was going to walk 800 kilometers. Wow. And so how'd you get your head wrapped? I don't know. I, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. And, well, uh, okay. It sounds really adventurous. I have to tell you, I, I think I would love to do that. But it's like, what is in your backpack that's only the bare bare necessities you know what's in there is you know basically uh i'm wearing the shoes a couple pairs of socks long pants short pants t-shirt t-shirt something to wear at night um very minimal like some soap it's not a lot it's uh it doesn't take long because water weighs a lot <laughs> so there's not a lot of for extra and then uh, you know a rain jacket a little sleeping bag uh, it's amazing, but it really you don't need much. And what's so interesting about that walk is the simplicity of it is a very healing walk because it's you don't have to do anything but get up, walk in one direction, stop for lunch, stop for coffee, stop for dinner, go to bed, and do it all over. So there's a simplicity to it. Was there anything that you missed? You thought, oh boy, because when you're up to me, when I'm listening to this, I, it honestly is very intriguing to me. I always think, what did you, did you have something to read? Did you take a journal? I had a little journal, had nothing to read. Um, I didn't miss anything because frankly, you're tired. <laughs> there's, and you don't need a lot. I think there's a thing that people think they need more than they have. Um, and a lot of people going, I was lucky. I had someone I knew who helped me pack and she had already walked. So she knew what I absolutely needed and what I didn't need. 
And this was in 2011. So it was before the craze of the Camino had, uh, you know, currently Camino is the, one of the bucket list things that people put on their list of things to do. But in 2011, it was not heard of very much in North America. So I was fortunate to have a friend who went through and told me what I needed to pack um, a bandana. You know, there's a few things that I didn't mention, uh, you know, Kleenex and bandana and those kinds of things, but mostly yeah. you can buy what you need on the road. Wow. So how freeing was that for you? There's something magical. It's, it's almost like playing hooky, I guess is the word I would say from life to some degree, because the simplicity of it gets in your bones. And when, at the beginning, when you're walking, it seems like it's a long way. It is a long way. But by the last week, you're walking slower and slower and slower because you don't want it. Well, I'll say I, and but many that I talk to don't want it to end at that point because it's there's such a peacefulness to it. So when you say freedom, it's really, there's a freedom to it, but there's also a sense of uh, just taking this deep breath in this life. And it, in many ways, it's like what people are being forced to do right now. The people are doing the Camino with this virus because it's forcing um, a shift in the normal way of being. It's interesting. I hadn't thought of it until you asked that question. Yeah, and it, it's true. And I mean, we, we're all experiencing, well, I think all of us are experiencing, I don't know, I'm definitely experiencing it where it's like I welcome it. And I think of all of the things that were so important to me a month before, you know, self-isolating. And all of a sudden it's like, eh, you know what? That's not really that important for me anymore. And uh, it, it is it is free. It's like a load that's off. You know, we we're joke. you see all the jokes on Facebook. You know, it's like, oh, you know, the real reason I didn't clean my house wasn't because I didn't have time, you know? And it's sort of like, have you cleaned out your closets? No. Some people have. They really embrace that. But I think for a lot of people, they're taking it as a reset and really um, evaluating what's important in their life. That That's an epic thing for a human being to do because we don't do it. It's an opportunity. You know, we, if we move away from the things that are difficult going on right now and we ask that question for what might this be good, I think there is a choice for people to, you know, either veg out on Netflix or to actually start to meditate and really tune into what's important in their life. So for me, that's what I'm sensing is I would, I would hope that more people are connecting to their spiritual self. And and without pressure. And I think that we're, we put a, a great deal of pressure on ourselves to be very intentional and very productive during this time when it, the other thing we need to do, I, I can't speak for everyone, of course, but for me, I had a dear friend pass away uh, during this COVID crisis and I couldn't go and see him. And I was really, really sad. And I kind of hung on for a while about not being able to, you know, um, give him a hug before he passed over, passed on. And the thing, so I sat on my couch for one day and I, it wasn't that I was feeling sorry for myself, but I really honored that friendship. And I think, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I think it made it more special to sit and be in those emotions for that day. I really have to agree. I think that that's such a powerful thing to have, you know, I, to have that 
concentrated time where you're really being present to the person that was, the person that is now actually still connected to you through through the other side. And I am pretty certain that he actually could feel you as you were in that day focusing. I hope so, because it, it, uh, I'm, I'm waiting to go and visit him at, uh, at his graveside, um, uh, but I'm waiting to do that. I, I, it's all of a sudden not an urgent, it's not urgent for me to rush there and say my goodbyes. I'm saying I'm in my time where I'm safe in my home and all of those things. So now, so when we're going back to the Camino Trail, when you were, tell me what it felt like to walk, because now you don't have the, the trappings of every day that we, that we are, that is our normal life. Where there, what were the thought process, processes you were going through, if any? <laughs> well, frankly, I was in a lot of pain and my thought processes was how do I take, like, how do I get to the next place? Um, because I, I physically painful because I hadn't, you know, I hadn't really trained and all of a sudden I'm doing a half a marathon a day or more, like there's up to 30 K days. And so that's like 50,000 steps for those of your listeners who like to track their steps. Um, so a lot of it is just focused on the environment and also there's a processing you know, I think there's an opportunity in that space because I'm a, I was by myself. Um, it's very beautiful for the most part, you know, it's, uh, and so I'm in the nature, I'm in a healing place. And as I'm walking, I had very bad shin splints. I had um, tendonitis in my left leg. So I was just having to focus on healing energy coming up from the earth. And I had this vision I would make of green gel coming up. And it, frankly, it wasn't all that complex. It was just this focus. What do I need to do? Tune into the energy of healing, tune into the energy of healing. And it's, it really is um, not necessarily for everyone because you have to be okay with being alone. Mm, that's so true. And I think that's one thing that some people uh, don't do well is alone. And, and doesn't that speak words? So when you're talking about being in tune, what walk me through what that feels like when you're being in tune? Like, are you writing experiences through your mind? Are you just kind of a blank slate for the day? I think what happens is when there's pain in the body, um, for me, it's sort of that takes the focus. The focus is kind of, it's like moving through that pain and being consciously aware of, you know, really you don't think of that much when you're, when you're walking in there, there's pain. There's not a lot of thoughts about uh, all the, all the things that you didn't get done. There's not any thoughts about uh, processing what's next. Really the focus in that moment is just in the moment. And I think that's the big key. Well, isn't that big volumes? When you're in the moment of, of physical pain, you're not thinking about anything else around you. But that is very true when you're in uh, emotional or spiritual pain, right? It, it, yes, you have, it's really, and I think that again is what's going on today in the planet is people are, um, you know, it's hard to say because there's more distractions now, but I think there's people that are being forced 
to have relationships with, you know, that or deal with relationships that have kind of been wonky a little bit, but all of a sudden we're in close quarters. The kids are here. It's a whole new ball game. It's like entering a new world of how do I exist? So whether it's walking in the Camino in Spain or whether it's dealing with this virus right now in our lives and being quarantined, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity for me in Spain to really, first of all, get through what I need to get through. But I also had to go through what are the things that I did in my life that brought me to that place? So what decisions was I making? I was putting happy face stickers on things. I was ignoring what needed to be seen. There was a lot of that really looking in and self-forgiveness was a big thing because it's really okay. This is where I am right now, but it's important for me to process what are what was my strategy in that and how did I get to that place? Because seriously, when you're 60 starting over with really virtually no savings, it's a different world. And it, there's a certain amount of reflection into how did I get myself into this? Without so, beating yourself up too. And I think that that's really important is that you aren't, uh, you, you know, that is a process. And one of the most important things is to forgive yourself for choices that, you know, and, you know, listen, hindsight's twenty twenty. But what, what the learning lessons you can take from that is that you can do what? You can forgive yourself. You can reflect all you want. Some of these things were taken out of your control. And so that's where that, you know, self uh, beating yourself up needs to not happen. And, and it's hard not to do that, isn't it? Well, I'm, you know, I think we all have that editor voice in our head. Um, and I tend to be kind of a free spirit anyway. So, I mean, I'm not going to change is the essence of who I am, but I'm, it was important for me to realize I had lots of messages. I had lots of, you know, the red flags. Um, there was lots of those. And I conveniently just, you know, when I say I put the happy face sticker on the red warning light, that's really it. There, there was instinct and gut seeing that I knew something was wrong in that business that I had joined these three men with. And yet I was, uh, what would be the word? First of all, I, I was brought in as the software developer for an oil and gas, um, a Kyoto package. So there was that part of me that had the attachment to fulfilling that. Like I've made an agreement and I think this is what people find in relationships sometimes. They've said their I do's and then circumstances change. Or once the wedding ring's on the finger, in this case, I signed a partnership, um, then there's a shifting sometimes of what you thought was true and now you know more of what is true. But then there's, for me, was this sense of, I didn't want to admit that I might've made a mistake. And I think that for many people is why relationships last longer than they maybe should. If I'd have got out of that partnership earlier, I would still have my savings. And so again, though, what if everything was perfect and we did the, even though it feels like we did the wrong thing, what if it was exactly what needed to happen for our life journey for the lessons that we came to learn? So that's where, um, Helen, that I feel like the letting go of the judgment and then there's this curiosity. Well, what is it that I needed to learn from that? What is it that I'm going to carry forward? And what is my new life going to look like? Um, hopefully, 
being more conscious when there's a, a red flag coming up to pay attention to that more fully and let go of my attachment to being right. Yeah, and I think that's true of anything when you when you realized, you know, when you go into a partnership, it happened for a marriage too, is that you kind of go in with the, you know, life is grand, this is going to be, you know, it's all those really good feelings and all of those things and, and it's kind of part of your plan, right? I mean, you want to be, you want to be successful in your relationships and you want to be successful in your business ventures. And sometimes, you know, and it, it can't be about always beating up, but I think you're right, is, is are we paying attention to the red flags? And there's always, I think, that it doesn't matter if you get to a point where it didn't work out. It, it's not the view you wanted it to be. And rather than making that um, a bad thing, it's like, where are the lessons that I need to learn here? So it is a very intentional dive deep into instead of, oh, my gosh, I did this wrong or I did that. It, it, it's look at what your intentions were in the beginning and, and learn where maybe it went off the path. But, you know, I mean, it, there's a lot of faith that has to come in to going along where you think it is as well. I mean, you got to have a, a certain amount of trust in the universe. Well, and I think my... I'll have to say my trust meter in the universe has exponentially um, grown through that experience because, you know, when I came back from that trip, um, I was still homeless and I didn't have anywhere to go. I came back and it was, I better find a place to live, posted on Facebook. And all of a sudden I'm living in a $3 million mansion looking after it for almost a year. So there's the universe that comes through. Um, wow. You know, that's just a simple, and I was homeless virtually. When I say homeless, uh, it was five years until I got to the point where I know I knew I needed to find a, a grounding spot, so to speak. But for five years, that, that was the longest period, that 11 months or 12 months there. And it was like this beautiful acreage with two dogs, and the owners would come back and forth. Um, and I had, you know, I lived in the servants' quarters. But I'm living in luxury and home, like, it's kind of this oxymoron of being technically homeless, but not, not on the street homeless, if you, if you know what I mean. Like, but it's this, um, and then I just went from place to place and I experienced different places and different people's energies and animals. And um, I did that for five years. Wow. Um, so I'm I'm going to stop us there and take a quick break, but uh, we're, I'm going to come back because I want to talk to you uh, more about this. Uh, you are listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose, and my guest today is Ariana Brackenberry. We'll be right back. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. 
Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. You are listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. Welcome back. My guest today is Ariana Brackenberry, who literally lost everything. And, uh, and we're talking about her journey on the building back and where she's really zeroed in on what was really important for her. So was it you that said, um, we can't make a garden grow without manure? It, it was me. It was something, a metaphor that came up in my life. And it's almost as if the shit or the crap in our lives is what caused us to grow. And you can't grow. If anybody is a gardener, they will know that in order to have a healthy garden, it requires some manure. And so the metaphor really was in the sense of everything that happens to our lives, in our lives, is really that the manure for our soul, I would have to say, that helps us grow. And if we can come to that point, it's not like welcoming in, okay, I want more stuff to happen, but it's when we can take everything that happens and see it. Often it's hindsight, Helen, because it's not often till maybe two or three years later, or maybe it's 10 years later that you realize, oh my God, I'm so grateful that all that happened because look where I am right now. And right now I can honestly say, I am so grateful that uh, I lost that and it changed my whole trajectory of life. It really refocused me. It wasn't that I stopped doing some of the things I was doing, but I then shifted from this logical left brain computer programmer to being a coach, taking people on pilgrimages, really connecting into that aspect of myself that more the right-hand side. So I'm like really solid on the left brain, logical, linear, whatever, but it gave me a push into exploring aspects of myself that I had never considered to be valuable, to be uh, something that I would maybe offer to other people. Yeah, and I mean, and through that, and through that walk, through that, that garden piece, uh, you are able to bring a lot of value to other people because you have walked that. And it doesn't always have to be to the degree of losing everything. But quite often when those disasters happen, that's exactly when you do begin to grow as a human being. And you just, I think, have to be really open to accepting that. Because it's not easy, is it? It really isn't. And I think um, facing our our inner demons, our inner dragons, it doesn't have to be hard. I'm with you on that. And I don't think we have to wait till spirit slam dunks us and we're eating sand. <laughs> so I think that inside we all have, this is my own sense, is I have a sense that I'm here for something. Uh, especially after 60, there's more and more people that are reflecting on, well, what, what am I, what's my legacy on this planet? What am I going to, am I going to leave it better than it was before I came in? And so I think a lot of times we can get so busy um, that we don't really allow that to come in. And I was always feeling that sense inside. There's something more for me. There's something more um, that I don't, but I don't know what it is. Sometimes we don't know what it is. And sometimes it's just, you don't need to know what is. It's just saying, okay, the, the next step will appear. The next step will appear. And that's what's happening right now on the planet. The next step will appear. And I know that, and I think my ability in this moment is what do I have to offer? I can hold the space, Helen, for 
all the people that are struggling for that next step, all the people that are in fear, all the people that have feel like they haven't got money coming in. I can hold the space for that because I have gone through that and I'm okay. And so that's the gift I think that I can bring to people is that look at me now. I live a happy life. I've got a, a nice two bedroom apartment. I've got amazing. I fell this week and I had 200 people on my Facebook sending me healing energy. That's abundance. That's the truth of what's important to our lives. What happens when we need something and we have to reach out and ask? And there it is, like this amazing energy of healing that came through to me to get rid of a a serious sprain in my ankle within three days. And, you know, I obviously I know you and you do bring you do hold space for people. You can feel that when you're with you, you you are uh, extraordinarily empathic that way. And I did, I saw your your stuff on the Facebook when you fell and I thought, oh my gosh, it's almost like, oh my gosh, how much more does this woman have to, but you, you handled it with such grace and you're absolutely right when you say what really is important. And you know, you're lucky because you're there now and there's lots of people that aren't and it's hopeful that they will get there, but it's like, you have figured out what is important. I don't hear any fear when you're talking. I'm not in fear. I know there's stuff going on on the planet, but I know in essence, it's all about love. And really that's the motto It's love conquers all. Um, if there's any doubt, there's a question in my mind, what would love, do, what would love do? So um, on the planet right now, we need, that's where our focus actually, Helen, is so important to change. If we are focusing on a virus and the world is focusing on a virus, then that virus is getting all that energy, all that energy. If instead we focus on love, sending love to this virus saying, okay, thank you. We've learned a lot from you. You're, you're off duty now. If we change it and send love to this virus, what a difference that makes because it's, it takes away all the, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, it feels like, the level of fear that was there at the beginning was almost feeding it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And fear feeds a lot. And, you know, even without COVID-19, fear feeds our decisions to when those red flags are coming up and when those gut feelings are are screaming and we're pushing them away and we're pushing away because we're fearful of what might, what we might not have down the road. And that's why, you know, I'm a believer that the universe will put you where you need to be. Uh, the trick is to is to trust it, and that you know, uh, collectively to to have the planet kill that virus through love. You know, I, I think, uh, wow. I mean, that's wonderful that you think like that, right? And uh, I think on maybe a smaller scale is if you throw love, you know, at yourself and those around you, that that catches. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? I totally know because everything is about our own vibration. That's about all we can control. And when we can send love to ourselves, to our family, with around it, and just in that pureness and send love to those who need it right now. There are, Helen, when I was 52, when my husband was dying, I had no spiritual self. I had no God. All I knew was this is critical. There's no do-overs. I have to be alert. It's all up to me. And I put it all on myself. I created this sense of, I'm this this powerful person. 
I'm laughing now because um, I'm just shaking my head at, at that. But you know, so many people right now are where I was at 52. That's one of my other gifts is I can understand what it feels like to be powerless, to feel like I'm the only one that can fix this. But in my mind, what I've learned is, you know, my husband came back to me. There was a very clear sign in my bathroom the day of his funeral that opened the gate for me. So what was the gift of his dying was really truthfully my spiritual journey. And it wasn't a gift that I could deny. It was like in my face, my contact lens case was upside down. I looked down. My logical brain didn't kick in. I just said to myself, oh, God, you're there. I didn't know where there was. I knew nothing about, you know, I had managed to get through 52 years without having a spiritual side. All of a sudden, I'm popped into this spiritual journey, something I'd never explored. And so I can get it. I get how, how the fear for people is what I felt like when I was in the hospital watching my husband go through four months in the hospital and, and feeling like it was all up to me. Well, this is not up to us right now. Now I'm crying. Yeah. Um, not right now. This is where we hand that over. We right. have to be in that place of handing over to spirit because that's where, you know, we, we visualize what we want to have. We hand it over. We, I know, like there's not a doubt in my mind I'm not going to try and convert anybody to any religion. All I know is I know I'm, I'm, I'm supported by spirit. I know that there's a power beyond me. And I just know that inside of me. It's, but I didn't know that at 52. And I think this is, there's an opening for people now to move into that place of trust. And it's hard. You know, I get it. And especially if you haven't got mentors that are, um, if you don't have mentors that are able to hold your hand through that, that are, you know, it's not about, you know, an instant conversion, but as soon as that door opened for me, I had my teachers just showed up. I didn't go looking. They came to my door. I mean, literally I could tell you lots of stories and I know we have limited time. Well, I, and I know what you're saying It is when you have that awareness, uh, whether it's really a conscious awareness or not, it's like, when you buy, okay, so I bought a white uh, Ford Escape and now that's all I can see on the highway, right? Before I didn't even notice that. So it's kind of like that, that path that you're on. You don't necessarily notice really what's going on. And then when you're kind of shoved into that awareness, some people are lucky enough to be able to walk into it. They recognize that they can walk into it uh, and that that could be coming from their upbringing if they had you know, um, church, um, you know, I don't know whatever brings someone into that awareness, but when you get shoved into it, it's really full technicolor, sharp, sharp, sharp. And we need to kind of just, I think you also said to me, you know, the advice uh, would be to be in silence, stop trying to control everything because so much of it is not in your control you have to be able to trust that 100 percent, i agree 100 percent. it's really our job right now to do our inner work it's our job to get our vibration high and when i say that some people may not understand what that means but it's really to come to the place of peacefulness within self and it's about food and what we put in our bodies you know i'm listening to greg Braden uh this week 
And he really just emphasizes like it's movement, it's eating the right foods, and it's taking that inner time that are going to shift our vibration up as the whole world comes together in that, that sense. Even the meditation that was done on April 4th, the difference in that uh, focus meditation for those 20 minutes, whatever it was, changed the resonance of the planet substantially if you see some of the images. And so what, why are we waiting for April 4th and a special day and number? It's not, we need to just not just have somebody arrange something. It's like, what are we doing within our own lives to have that constant meditation, uh, regardless of what everybody else is doing? Yeah, I think that's hard, though. I mean, uh, I know it's hard because all of a sudden um, you're standing there really, and like you say, lost. You have in your entire um, life has is being redefined for you, that's when you can take the control. Not the things leading up to it, not the things after, but it's taking your control where you can stand in place and really um, honor what is going on around you, right? Totally, because, I mean, we don't. We don't have any control over what's going on. We can follow social distancing. We can do those things. Um, We can eat healthier, work out more keep ourselves, you know, in nature for me is, that's the biggest healing for me is being in nature. And and meditation, a lot of people don't even know where to start with that. For me, it's going for a walk in the woods. It doesn't have to be some complex thing that you have to figure out if you're doing it right or not. Go for a walk, let go of the music, just be in the silence. And it's, you know, it's so interesting to watch people on the Camino today. There's lots of people with headphones and they're, they're still filling their minds, distracting from that inner voice. When you just are walking to the point where, um, you know, there's times on the, on the walking where, I mean, I remember one time when I, I went off the route, my legs were sore. There was a place that had a stream. So I walked a kilometer that way, got there, was sitting with some friends that I knew. And then I realized I hadn't checked in and I found out there's no beds. And it was, this was one of the most, out of all my experiences on the Camino, the next place was six kilometers. It was four o'clock. My little toes were bruised on both feet. That had me go to the very depth of what I had capacity for. And it was the hardest thing I'm going to say. It's not a, it's not a walk in the park. It's a walk through what we need to do sometimes to just get through something. And I got to the next town just above it. There was a hill and I looked at that hill and I knew going down that hill was going to be excruciating. And I'm having a conversation with God, which has got a lot of swear words in it. And not, I'm not going to repeat it right now, but I, by the time I got down and walked in, I was sobbing literally and people were clapping. There was a whole people that just gathered around. And I, I can feel that energy right now. It's just that feeling of utter exhaustion. Um, we don't know what we have inside of us, Helen, until we're faced with what we need to do to get through something. And sometimes it, it's hard. It's like it, you have to draw from reserves that you don't even know you have. And I think that's the core for people. We have so much more inside of us 
but we normally don't get the opportunity to actually reach down and grab that and, and step. It doesn't mean it's fun, but I think we all have way more inside than we've been allowing ourselves to do. I know myself, I have way more that I can offer. Um, and maybe it takes this change and everything being upside down for me to step forward into what those things are. But do you, you know what I'm saying? It's there's a, a point where the gift is not in the moment of going through, but it's in getting through something. Absolutely. And, I, and you know, I've experienced my own having to find myself again. And it's like this constant reinventing. And uh, it was like, it's exhausting at first. But then once you get through the worst part of the manure, all of a sudden you do, you are aware. And I think the trick is, is to be patient, is to be okay with not being okay and trusting. I mean, there's so many messages in what, what you're talking about. Um, absolutely. And I think that you um, have to be almost careful with people that haven't walked that path yet. And, and it's not about being uh, right. It's just being right within yourself. It, it gives a great deal of peace about you as, as a human being, which you have. I really think it's, yes, there's no map. My journey will be different than everyone else's. Where I have to draw from will be different from everyone else. Each person has their own uniqueness. And no, I can't, I mean, I can't uh, give a set of rules for people how to get through something. All I can say is just be in the moment. It comes back to that statement, what would love do and be in the moment. And just uh, like you said, when you were talking about your friend and you sat for that day, you made that choice. You could have just ignored, but something called you into that space of sitting and honoring his life. That in itself is you listening to spirit calling you to something that said there's a closure that needs to happen here. And you took, you paid attention to it. So we're always getting these messages. Um, we always get lots of messages. Spirit is not silent. We always get intuition and we always get like, you know, what makes me do X, Y, and Z? What made me go to that shopping center where I met this other person? All those are spirit. I call it the earth traffic control system. Spirit will direct the traffic if we allow it. And if we pay attention, it's not about we have to be on alert if spirit's sending me here or there. It's just about understanding that when you randomly walk into a shopping center and see someone and have a conversation with somebody that you know, that isn't so random. Yeah, I agree. So, wow. Have you, um, have you written a book, Ariana? Well, let's just say there's a story there. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Well, I think all of us um, that have stories inside, um, that, that's a story that's too long for me to share right now. But let's just say it's, um, I'm in a writing class right now. So um, it could be there. I think what I do, Helen, is I, I actually have this closet pulpit on Facebook where I write short vignettes. And so that's where I, I think that's kind of my book in some ways. It's my way of um, sliding in ideas to people in the midst of funny videos. And so, um, but there can be a, I think there is a book coming. I just, uh, at this moment, I don't really have a sense of what that book looks like. 
Well, and I mean, uh, yeah, and I mean, I, I know there's a book inside of you. You've got, you've got so much to share, uh, and I love it. I, I wish I could, we could do this for another hour. Unfortunately, we're, we're out of time, but I, I want to thank you for being so allowing yourself to be so vulnerable in speaking about what you know is truth for you. And it really is inspiring to hear your story and that you didn't give up. And I love that. And I think there's lots more for you in this world for you to give back. And uh, once this COVID thing is done with, whether, you know, whatever that looks like, that's a whole other conversation. But thank you for sharing that story, Ariana. It was really, I, I it was really comforting to know that, you walked through some of the worst things that people can walk through and literally walking the Camino Trail without training. Wow, I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's been a, a pleasure. I always enjoy talking with you. Well, there'll be lots more to talk about. I know it. Well, thanks again. Uh, you've been listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. And until the next time. Thank you for listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. To learn more about Helen's journaling retreats, speaking engagements, and life coaching, or to sign up for her newsletter, please visit HelenRose.ca. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.